if you are rewarded for your accomplishments only, that it can actually create a mindset in you that makes you not want to participate at all for the fear of failing. So you won't even try because your fear of failing is so much higher than your fear of stumbling. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Valley podcast. I'm so excited about our conversation today and our guest today. We're going to be talking about a wide variety of topics, all the way from race car driving to the nature of reality, to health, wellness, beauty. Our guest today is Danica Patrick. She's written two incredible books, Crossing the Line, 2007, Pretty Intense, the 90-day mind, body, and food plan that will absolutely change your life. But, you know, I get so many people who are writers on this podcast that is not all that Danica does. So I'm going to read you a couple of things which are probably going to blow your mind. Danica Patrick stunned the world in 2005 by leading 19 laps and finishing fourth in her first Indianapolis 500. She became the first woman to lead laps and score a top five finish in the historic race. She went on to be named Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World and graced the cover of many prestigious publications, including pictorials in 2008 and 2009, Sports Illustrated, swimsuit issue. She was voted NASCAR's most popular nationwide driver in 2012 and became the first woman to receive that award in NASCAR's top three divisions. And get this, another first, because Danica doesn't stop at one first. She has appeared in a record-setting 14 Super Bowl commercials, 13 of which were for her longtime sponsor and partner, GoDaddy.com. So, Danica Patrick, I'm so excited to have you on the Mind Valley podcast. Yeah, it's my honor to be here. Thank you. This is fun. I love doing this, this with people. Oh, Q and A's are the best. I know people are awesome. It's so nice to have a live audience when we do these podcasts. And you know what? I found that it brings out the best in our guests as well. It's so exciting to engage in people. And what you'll notice about the audience here: the, these are Mind Valley members, so we have about approaching sixty thousand members of our top tier education program all around the world. And they get to come backstage with me and join this podcast. And they come from all around the world. So we have people here from India, from the British Virgin Islands, from Dubai, from Ontario, Canada. Actually, a lot of people from Ontario, Canada. I don't know what's going on. We have Kent saying, oi, from Brazil. Irish saying aloha from Hawaii. Mo saying hi from Long Island. So there's a ton. It's a really global audience here. Everyone is super excited to be learning from you. Now, Danica, I'm curious, you were in 14 Super Bowl commercials, 13 were for GoDaddy. What was mm. the 14th? Well, I think they were all for GoDaddy. It's just that 13 aired and the 14th didn't end up running. I think that's it. But I could be wrong. Perhaps I was in a Super Bowl ad for somebody else. I mean, who? <laughs> I, Firstly, I can't remember. It's, it's cool that you've been in so many Super Bowl ads. You just can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> it's like Elon Musk going, gosh, I shouldn't have lost a billion dollars in Bitcoin, but who gives a damn? Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, all my yeah, that was a bummer. <laughs> okay, so firstly, I want to make sure that people are aware of your podcast, okay? So I want you guys to go to danicapatrick.com. I was recently on Danica's podcast. Her podcast is called Pretty Intense, and it is 
hilarious and mind-blowing at the same time because Danica interviews in a very interesting way. Danica, being interviewed by you is one of the most fun podcast experience I had because you ask me questions that most people don't. Normally, people just ask me about my books and Mind Valley. We were talking about the nature of reality. We were talking about <laughs> wild ideas. Are we living in a virtual reality and topics like that? So go to danicapatrick.com, D-A-N-I-C-A, mm -hmm. sign up for her podcast. It's really interesting. And her last guest was Nassim Haramin, who's a Mind Valley favorite. Nassim was speaking about the nature of reality. And that's going to be one of our topics today. Now, Danica, I want to start with that. When I see someone like you who seems to be incredibly lucky, accomplishing so much, so rapidly, so many firsts, if Elon Musk says we are living in a simulated reality, then it's obvious that somebody handed you the cheat codes. <laughs> I want to know what are those cheat codes? <laughs> I would say it's probably the cheat code is it's the power of the mind and how thoughts become things. And I mean, you've lived this life too. You're a big visionary and very aspirational and dreamy. It feels like I don't know you that well, but in the things that I know right. that you do and listening to you speak and knowing your work, this is your space too. It's amazing how I can even look at it from a really minimal level and just go, oh, my wine. I literally had an idea standing on the top of a mound in the middle of Napa Valley, holding a glass of white wine at 10 a.m., November, whatever, 2006. And that's all it was, was literally an idea in my head and had not even said the words out loud yet. And then it became a reality. And so just knowing the power of the mind, I think, is the best cheat code. Thoughts become things. Have you ever read that book, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda? I have it on the shelf, but I have not read it. This was Steve Jobs' famous favorite book at Jobs' funeral. The book was handed out to everyone. I but read this, he read it every year. Apparently in his biography by Walter Isaacson, he would retreat to Hawaii every year, stay at mm -hmm. his favorite resort and read the book. When he died, it was the only book on his iPad. But there's the story in the book of Yogananda. Oh, actually, no, it's not even in this book. I heard this from an actual disciple of Yogananda, who's now 90 years old, a former Mind Valley author. What you just said reminded me of this moment where Yogananda was driving through, I think it was San Diego or LA, and he was being chauffeured around. This was maybe the 1920s or 1930s. And the driver said, look, Swamiji, there's a beautiful plot of land there. That is where you need to create your retreat. And Yogananda went, no, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. I'm not, because he knew if he looked and he saw that, he was going to manifest that retreat. And he had so many other projects just like you. But he looked and that became the SRF, the Self-Realization Fellowship Gardens in Los Angeles. Now there's one in San Diego. I don't know if you've ever walked there. I have intended to go to that for years, but I have not gone. So that was manifested because he laid his eyes on the plot of land. And I wonder, and I'm curious to know your thoughts. I wonder if some people's minds are just wired like that. What was it that made you so successful in racing? Well, I think that being a visionary and imagining things that you want is really important, being dreamy. But the magic sauce is, and this is the hardest part, is actually believing that you can. Once you believe that you can, it's just a matter of time. So when you were 10 years old, your parents took you go-kart racing. Mm -hmm. And... I read that in your bio, and I'm guessing that was your first time moving at rapid speeds, and it mm -hmm. triggered something in you. 
Tell us about that. What do you think was that set of mental rules, ideas, beliefs that came to you that led you to become such a successful racer? Well, I think one of the things that has been the most beneficial in my life, and a friend pointed this out when we were having lunch a few months ago, and we were talking about just people struggling with anxiety and getting stuck and how it's a struggle for people. And she came from a ballet background and she reminded me that we had been doing something that was sort of highly judged, criticized and analyzed from a very young age of, for me, 10 years old and for her, I'm sure very similar. And so to have to learn how to take criticism, to take disappointment, to take failure, to take success as well. And, you know, learn how to do that with grace, but then also know how to overcome it and how to deal with it. I think from a young age is training in adversity is really good because was it hard? Yeah. I mean, did I cry when I was a kid? Were there things that I feel like I have to kind of deal with now in the aftermath of that kind of a childhood? Yeah. But I do think that it was conducive to achieving great things because you're very resilient and strong and can get through. I am grateful for that. And I'm not even mad that I have to deal with any kind of challenges later on, because to me, it just feels like it's just a season of my life. That was a season of my life where I really had to push through things and really had to block out things that were not going to help me get to where I needed to go. And now can feel them, now can heal them, now can see them. It's just the season I'm in. I love that. So you just had Nassim Haramin, the spiritualist physicist on the Danica Patrick podcast. And Nassim, just so the audience who's listening know who Nassim is, he's a physicist. And he once told me, spirituality is nothing more than physics we have yet to find an equation for. Now, you love talking about the nature of reality. I'm curious, what did you learn from Nassim? What were some of the most insightful ideas or even ideas you've been exploring on the nature of reality? So this is kind of an interesting one. It's not necessarily so specific to being something I learned from him that he's done. It is what he's done, but it's a different angle. If we believe in the quantum, there's no time and that everything exists simultaneously and all information is accessible through the web of the universe, that we can receive any information we want. Not everyone's tuned into the channel to receive it, to hear it, but I believe that all information is available. And what I found and what I feel is that he reverse engineers, he's getting information before he knows how he knows it. And then he has to like, figure out the equation for it. So he told the story about being a kid and meditating and realizing that there was an internal world in meditation and an external world when he came out of it and that there must be a correlation between this. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality, to health and wellness, to relationship is that life is enormous. And there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives 
were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. Inner world and outer world. When I had done the interview, he had literally just finished the equation for, I'm not going to get the exact <laughs> title of this right, but it was basically the relationship between the inner and outer worlds. I should text him and be like, what was that word again that you figured out? <laughs> and I'm on the spot right now, but he figured it out. And so it's like a lifetime of having an epiphany, having a direction. And instead of being in this big wide world of what's science next? He like knows what he's looking for. He's trying to figure it out. So what I feel is that greatness, call it greatness, is the knowing of something and then figuring it out. So maybe it was even that I knew I'd be a great race car driver and then I just had to go do it. I don't know. But I found that about Nassim is that he sort of channeling, call it channeling, call it something like that. He's getting the information and then figures it out. And I think that a lot of brilliant people do. Probably Elon Musk is another one. You're probably another one. I was going to make a book recommendation, which I think everyone listening is going to enjoy. I recently found out that Nikola Tesla wrote a biography. I had no idea he had written his own oh, biography. Wow. I've always been a Tesla fan, but you can get it for like two bucks on Kindle, or you can probably download it because it was written a long time ago. So mm. the copyright is free. But in that biography, which is beautifully written, and you can read it in about 90 minutes, he talks about all of these situations where ideas would just come to him. He would see things fully formed in his head and then go on and invent them and mm. change the world, like what he did with the AC Moto. There were 40 patents for the AC Moto. It was that complex and nobody thought it could be done. But mm. Tesla saw it in his mind. And I think to some degree, Haramin is probably doing the same thing. Maybe Elon Musk is doing the same thing, but doesn't really talk about it. It's intuitive, which leads me to the next question. How much of what happens in our life is destiny and how much is determined by our own whims and fancies? For example, was it destiny that at 10 years old, your parents took you go-kart racing? Because if that didn't happen, your life might be in a completely different line. Totally. That's a great question and one I don't have an answer to, but of course I love to talk about and I love to have debates about. I had this conversation just the other day and it was about if I didn't race, would I have just took this essence or being that I am and put that into something else and do something else great? Mm -hmm. Even if we just laterally moved it over to another sport, would I have been a great golfer? 
could I have taken this into another sport? Probably not basketball, but as I'm five foot one, but could I have taken this and put it into something else and still had the same effect or the same influence or the same spotlight? It's a good question. And I'd like to think that's true, actually. So I guess I believe that if somebody, it's kind of like another analogy that we spoke about that day had to do with like rich dad, poor dad kind of thing. Uh And how if there's a pile of money, the same people that are rich will be rich again, even if everybody had to go put their money on a big pile because you have the mindset of being rich. And so I guess if you have the mindset of being successful, being disciplined and orienting with high achieving challenge, being ready for the challenge, that I think you'll just do it again in another capacity. So even with the end of my racing career where, I mean, look, did I love racing? Yeah, I loved racing. But is it my passion? Is it something that I think about every day? No, that's why I don't go back to the track. That's why I don't go drive some other cars because I love to talk about what we're talking about today. I love to talk about reality. I love to talk about mindset. I love to talk about manifesting. I love to talk about quantum physics. This is the stuff. So when I told my dad about that and said, I think it's going to be the end. And I said, you know, I just never really loved it like that. And he goes, I know. He's like, you you needed a job and you were good at it. And I said, if I did this with racing, imagine what I could do with something that truly is a passion of mine. I mean, I loved racing. You don't do something for 27 years without loving it. But the daily, and maybe people listening can relate to this, there might be something that you participate in, feed into daily that might not actually be your job, but it might be your passion. doesn't mean you don't love your job, but it might be that you have another passion. It might be another line, another lifeline that you're meant to go into. Have you ever heard of Marie Diamond, the spiritualist? No. She's an amazing guest for your podcast, by the way. But Marie Diamond, she is, it's hard to describe what she does. She's just one of the most powerful spiritual beings I know. Really? So the rapper, Big Sean, just came out. So so Marie Diamond is one of our Mind Valley authors. And Big Sean saw her on Mind Valley, hired her as his consultant. He's now publicly gone and said that Marie Diamond is the reason why his songs are hitting like number one on Spotify. And Marie Diamond basically warps reality. But she said something really, really, really interesting. She said that our life, is only one third determined by our mind. One third is what we manifest. Another one third is destiny and you cannot change that. Your soul already has a part for you. So perhaps no matter what you did, your parents were gonna wake up that day and take you go-kart racing and set in line the movements that would make you the Danica Patrick we know today. But there's another one third. And I'm curious, I'm gonna ask the audience here to type out what they think that one third is. And if you know, don't type it out because I know they are Marie Diamond students here. Should I guess? Yeah, guess. What do you think? Environment? You're right. She says feng shui. She explains it as feng shui, the Chinese idea that spaces, that there's an energy around us, you know, whether it's ley lines, so it's the energy of our space. I don't know if it applies to the energy of the people around us, but there's an energetic vibration that we are in, in our environment, and that also governs this. Anyway, I should introduce you to Marie Diamond. I think she'd be an incredible guest. Marie once, I was going through a hard time. This was maybe like 2016, 2015. And I was losing $100,000 a month in my business. What had happened was that we were moving our technology platform to a new company and that new company got acquired by Salesforce in the middle of this movement. And our migration hadn't happened. So half my business was knocked out. 
I couldn't sell to customers. Customers couldn't buy. I was losing $100,000 a month. I was about to go bankrupt. So mm. Marie came to me and she said, Vision, we were at this mastermind. And she said, Vision, you came to me in a dream and we are meant to connect. So we got together for dinner. We started talking and she taught me something about feng shui and she made me change the position of my work desk. Okay, I freaking kid you not. I go back to my office and I flip around the position of my work desk. Apparently my work desk was in a position an energetic position where I was working against the energy in one month. So I'd lost at that point, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, seven months, I'd lost $700,000. Now this was August. It was August, 2016. In that one month, I don't even know how, but I made $700,000 in profit to pay <laughs> off the debt. And since then, Mind Valley just kept growing and growing and growing. What? I'm going to try every, month. every month. I'm going to change my desk position just to see if like okay. one of them Download the Marie Diamond app. It's a free app. She was running a company and the company was doing like, eh, it wasn't really taking off. And she would sit facing her COO. And so I used the app on both of them and they had to swap positions. So they've been sitting like that in that position facing each other for years and I made them swap. So one was facing Northwest now, one was facing the other direction. In one month, they had their biggest sales month. And again, I don't know if this is coincidence. And I guess like with ley lines and energy, it could have to do with the flow. There's certain things like I've learned even just through right. little mystical rituals. You bring in the energy this direction and you release energy this direction or something like that. So I'm not an expert on that, but I just know that there's movement. So I wonder... They even say, I know there's little things too with where you orient your bed and the direction, like your head should always be north or something like that. So, which I'm screwed because my head's definitely <laughs> in my room right now. <laughs> Just a random head of the bed in the middle of the room now. But there are things like that where I wonder if it has to do with the flow of energy because, you know, I definitely do believe, which is what fascinates me about reality is that we are just energy. And it's like the little things that I've learned, the little examples in my life were so subtle. It was like, they're dumb examples, but it was, you know, knives in a butcher block. And I wondered why they would go dull. I hadn't been there for months and I hadn't used them. And I was like, oh my God, everything's vibrating and it's just dulling in the block. And I would not be at my house in Chicago for months and months and months. And all of a sudden I'd get there and the chairs at the kitchen table with the bolts would be loosened up. And I'm like, nobody's been here. And I'm like, oh, because everything's vibrating. It's so interesting, right? To see the world from the lens of energy. Someone just typed out, please don't tell Danica about Marie Diamond. She will become the first female president. Uh, Marie Diamond. No, you will become the me? first. Oh, president. God, that's so flattering. Thanks. <laughs> I so, don't really want to get into that space. I just like to be the presidente of my life and share my experiences. So how did you get in Time Magazine as one of the top 100 most influential people in the world? Because that's a remarkable accomplishment. Kudos oh, to you. Thanks. I'd love to hear that story. You know, I was asked so many times about me. And it's an interesting sort of perspective to have to be able to see yourself and why people especially were interested in me, my popularity. And I believe that it has to do with authenticity and truth and a resonance with people with that. You can tell I'm answering the question. You can tell I'm being honest. You can feel it. There's an energy, there's a frequency, there's subtle nuanced 
information in my body language and my response and cadence and all kinds of things. You can feel it, you know it. And so I think that to be a person of influence, you have to be in that space or people can tell really about showing real and authenticity and that it gives people permission when you're doing that to do the same especially when it comes to having imperfections. Like there were times where I was super mad and super sad and somewhat excited. And then I'm very serious and then I'm very sexy. And I never tried to be what everyone thought I would want to be, which tends to make you only one thing. Uh I was just all the facets of me. And I always found it really great that I could be that had the opportunity to even show those sides. I feel like it's one of those things. If you don't start there, it's tricky to get right. there. If you're starting off with a facade and you're showing people this version of you and then all of a sudden you're different, people are like, whoa, what the hell? So I started off that way. And I think that because I started that way, which is just an encouragement for others to just be yourself. And also then, of course, look what happens when you're yourself. Everyone's unique as well. And so it was my uniqueness that made everything so special. It's because I was a girl in racing. It was because I had fire. It's because I, you know, was sexy. It's like my uniqueness and my unique expressions were what kind of moved the needle. It seems to me that you were real, firstly, extremely mm-hmm. vulnerable, authentic, real, but you were extreme in different dimensions. You were the Sports Illustrated bikini model. Mm-hmm. You were the race car driver. You showed that women could be powerful and fierce, mm-hmm. also incredibly sexy and driven and ambitious. And I think you open up the possibility for so many other people to embrace these opposing sides. Well, it's funny. I learned a little bit of astrology, but like I love asking people, like, why do you think we're here? And so my answer for so long has been to experience duality. And so there I am with sweet and sour, like I'm mad and then I'm sexy and then I'm serious and then I'm funny and then I'm angry and I have all this sort of dualistic nature then I look at my chart, even my astrology chart, and I'm super, I'm both ends of the spectrum. I'm Aries and I'm Libra. And so Aries is all the I energy and Libra is all the we energy. And so even my chart is extremely dualistic, even my style. So my style would be, I'd call it leather and lace, like bohemian kind of rocker girl. So I wear like a tank like this and then put a leather jacket on over it and, you know, wear some lace or something, but then leather. So that's truly my style. And then even with my cooking, my cooking, I would say that I kind of have like a sweet and salty sort of style of cooking, merging and marrying the two flavors to create a more contrast and interesting combination. So yeah, that's kind of just me. I'm just a big dualistic mess. It reminds me of this famous Quora discussion. So Quora, for those of you who don't know, is a site where people get to go and ask any question they want and other people come to answer. So someone once went on Quora and asked, What makes Elon Musk, Elon Musk? How do you become a billionaire? And Elon's ex-wife responded. She's like, well, I was married to Elon. And this is what I can say. He is a genius in two different fields. And he merges those fields together. And she said, if you want to be a billionaire, you have to be a master of two really unique disparate fields and then bring them together. Don't try to specialize in one thing. So it reminds me of what you're saying. You became a master of the male-dominated spot of race car driving. Mm. You also became this gorgeous, sexy, supermodel type person. You brought both fields together and you merged them. 
Mm. And that gives you the edge because it's easy to get really good in one field. Mm. But to master two different fields and then merge them, that makes you an original. That makes you one of a kind. There's only probably one person like you on the entire planet who can do that. Oh, thanks. I was thinking as you're describing them, that's how you are too. Even in our conversation, what I know about you, you have a lot of spirituality, but there's a lot of science in there too. I mean, talk about the greatest two things to combine. Right. Mine, I combine computer engineering and right. I combine spirituality. Right. right. Yeah, and I also make really incredible guacamole, but I haven't figured out where to fit that in, in the grand spectrum of things. What do I do with guacamole spirituality? I haven't put my guacamole skills in there yet, but someday I might. Hmm, I think there's absolutely, I mean, it takes a little bit of science to put the yeah. mixture together, but then your intuitive creativity is in the blend itself. Like people think of recipes as being, oh, this is the recipe. No, 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 There's a billion recipes. It's whatever you come up with. So that's the intuitive sort of spiritual side of you goes, oh, some little thing on your shoulders going, more garlic salt. And, you're like, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have a formula at the end. Yeah, I'm just thinking about maybe I'll just ship everyone who signs up for Mind Valley like a little plastic cube of guacamole. I don't know. Maybe that'll be our new marketing strategy. Join Mind Valley, free guac. <laughs> Every Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> this conversation is going awkward. Have we been drinking wine before this? I don't know. You own two wineries. You know, I, I swear this is just water. water. It's a water. giant, giant glass of water. It's a big, huge, wet glass of water. So what is your biggest passion right now? Is it wine? Is that where you're going? Wine, yes. You know what I've gotten into lately more? I mean, like we're talking about just casual interests as opposed mm -hmm. to businesses, more biohacking stuff. I've oh, sort of cool. gotten inspired into the biohacking. I guess I imagine biohacking to be a little bit more like cheats or something, but it's really just sort of modalities ways to create efficiency and maximization. And so I've been into that. But yeah, I mean, from a business perspective, definitely the wine stuff is very prevalent. And then my podcast, I just truly love interviewing people. I recorded three of them yesterday. I just love it. It's just so That's fun. Amazing. That's amazing. I love to learn. The youth is wasted on the young, as an old boss told me. And it's so true from a physicality standpoint. And then also even just from a school standpoint, I feel like I'm at 39 years old now. I want to learn more now than I have ever. Amazing. Anybody else feel me on getting older and wanting to learn and thinking, damn, I should have been climbing trees when I was 11 instead of sitting in a classroom being forced to draw the same frog everyone else did. <laughs> I'm seeing everyone type in yes, and I'm wondering, draw a frog. Is that something to do in the American education system? I was in Malaysia. They made us draw like water buffaloes. Oh, fun. I just remember dissecting frogs. Actually, I wasn't there in class for that day, but in science class, we had to dissect a frog. And I'm sure most anybody else, if people went to school in the States, I'm sure we all dissected frogs. And well, we dissected water buffaloes. Wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so Danica, you wrote a book. So let's talk about biohacking because one of the things I want you to speak about is how you take care of your health, your wellness, your mind. So you wrote a book called Pretty Intense, the 90-day mind, body, and food plan that will absolutely change your life. I would love for you to share some of the tips that you bring into your life because you look stunning mm, and you've accomplished you. all of these amazing things. I'd love to know your secrets or whatever you're willing to 
to share? Yeah, yeah, all of them. Massive amounts of surgery. No, I'm just kidding. It really like when people see me, they one of the things that they'll mention is that, wow, your skin looks really good. And I reply with, well, I've been getting facials since I was about 20, which I think absolutely makes a huge difference to take care of your skin and exfoliate. But I think an even bigger aspect of this, and you can see this even when you take today, for instance, for everybody and just start to look at people's face and you can see the tone and the color of it. And those kinds of things really give you an indication of hydration level, bloating also from salt and alcohol. So I really try and I eat super regimented, clean. I eat very paleo, leaning towards a little bit more on the fish side of proteins, but basically paleo. And I have for six or seven years now, six years now, but then a ton of water. I obviously drink wine, but I a hundred percent know that when I do the next day, you know, you're a little bit more bloated. It's just, you can tell. So, you know, just drinking lots of water and eating really good foods. And I think the number one thing dietary wise that I got away from that had the best result was gluten and dairy. And I stopped eating gluten and dairy, which was even longer than paleo because I did that for about a year or two before I went paleo, I think made a really big difference with my energy levels for sure. And then overall body composition. I'd say that is really important. And then working out. I mean, I didn't even mention working out, but I'd say I laugh. I tell people if there's two things that I can admit to being really good at, and the joke is, is that I'm not going to include driving in this, is that one, I can cook. Like I'm a really good cook. And then two is working out. And I'm very regiment. I have no problem with discipline. I'm pointing this direction because my gym is in my garage. I've already been out for a run today. And then I'm going to probably do some strength stuff later. So discipline is not really a problem for me. And so you just have to figure out what works for you from a fitness standpoint. Some people need to be held accountable and need trainers and appointments and stuff. But working out, obviously, is really, really good for you. Strength, endurance, and flexibility are the three pillars to me. What type of exercises do you do? What's your workout regimen like? This morning, I did an interval run. So for 30 minutes, I warm up for five minutes of jogging, and then I go into an interval workout. So sometimes I do steady state, just run. But a lot of times I like to do intervals. So I did, for instance, this morning, I did... 10 seconds side shuffling and then 10 seconds of karaoke on one side. And then I went to the other side, 10 seconds, really low side shuffle karaoke and then rested for 20 seconds. And then I ran as hard as I could for 30 seconds and walked for 30 seconds. So I just kind of kept going back and forth between the side shuffling accessory movement to really hard sprinting. So I do that. And then in the gym, I'll do things like I'll lift weights. I'll coming from more of a CrossFit. I do CrossFit style workouts. CrossFit's really great at teaching you how to do, I see somebody said HIT workouts. Yeah. HIT is what it's all about. I usually do sort of three, three or four different sections to a workout. So it starts off with somewhere between five and 10 minute warm up of sorts. And sometimes I make the warm up just a really easy workout. So it might be 20 minutes, but I do things that aren't really intense or really high weight. And then I'll go into a strength element, then maybe something that includes a little bit of higher intensity. So that might be more interval based or just a shorter, little quicker workout with more weights now that I'm warmed up. And then sometimes there's a finisher. So it might be something with abs. It might be something with hips. It might be a burnout of some sort of arm movements, bicep curls, lateral raises, 
modalities of where you like back against the wall and you're like getting like shoulder range, some sort of modality like that. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And for those of you who want to know more, check out Danica's book, Pretty Intense. You can find it on Amazon, the 90-day mind, body, and food plan that will absolutely change your life. So what we're going to do next is I'm going to bring up members of the audience. So we have tons of questions which have come in. Those of you who are interested in coming live with me and Danica, you can ask a question, but you can also vote up questions that you like. Now, the leading question is from Talis. So Talis, I'm going to bring you live right now. Hello, Vision. Hello, Danica. Hello. So Danica, I admire you a lot. Your book, Pretty Intense, is incredible. And I find it fascinating your self-discipline. There is a quote I like that says, discipline is remembering what you want. And I wonder, how do you keep that burning desire alive? How do you cultivate that? Because we all go through difficult days, bad days. So what's the best strategy do you use to keep pushing when you don't even feel like doing the things you know you should do? Mm. Thank you for your question. Thank you for loving the book. I appreciate that. There's a saying you could say to yourself where you'll thank yourself tomorrow, and you always do. If you make good choices like eating right and not overindulging or not drinking too much and doing some workout or something like that, generally speaking, you'll thank yourself tomorrow. <laughs> but I think planning it is the most important thing. So the way I even orient my day is that I don't like to really start anything work-wise too early because I keep that space for working out getting good breakfast, relaxing, maybe doing like a little cold plunge, whatever it may be. I try and keep that time for myself. So I would say that planning, just like you're going to plan for success, you're going to plan for the success of your wellness too. So even in the department of food, so having a plan for that, having things in stock, having really high quality, even meal delivery services that you can put in your freezer, that if you come home from a trip or you don't have anything in the house, you can at least have something healthy and organic and really good for you on hand. So planning, I think, is really ultimately the most important thing. And then the one thing that I do, I am very motivated to work out, but I've found that for me, and this is because I make up workouts, is that once I've written the workout, I do it every time. So sometimes I'm just sitting there and I'll just take like a little note card like this and I'll just start, I'll just make up the workout. And then it's literally like I've manifested it done essentially. Cause I don't know if there's ever been a time where I've written a workout. I haven't done it. That also bites me in the butt a little bit when I make up a workout that's way too hard. And then I'm like, Oh God, that's what I wrote though. <laughs> Thanks. That's awesome. That's awesome. Danica. I love that idea. Thank you so much, Talis. So Danica, I want to ask your advice for my daughter. Her name is Eve. She's seven years old. And Eve is trying to figure life out. And she wants to grow up to be a Wonder Woman. That's basically it. She hasn't figured out the economy. This picture. I'm going to turn my... Can you see? That's amazing. You have a picture of Wonder Woman. So what would be your advice to my seven-year-old girl, Eve, on how to grow up to be a Wonder Woman? Oh, man, I think that you, you're you going to grow up to be a Wonder Woman. It's really what I kind of give advice to anyone about if they want to achieve something great is that you have to actually find something that you really love to do, because then you will show up 
no matter what, no matter how hard you keep showing up, you know, things get hard and you show back up. And, you know, if you don't really love it, though, you're going to be like, yeah, you know, but I kind of would rather go do this or I'm over it, dad. I'm going to college now or whatever it may be. There's just not enough like burning desire. So you have to find something that you truly love enough that it keeps you engaged even when it's hard and when it doesn't pay you or whatever it is at whatever point in your life that is. And, you probably have experienced this too. You are someone, it seems too, that has sort of burning desires. And it's like, even though something might not be vetting out right now, it's that burning desire that keeps you going. And eventually it does. And it's timelines as humans that hold us back, I think, so much from joy and happiness is that we think it needs to happen on our timeline or what we imagine. And we just can't understand what needs to be accomplished to get to that point. And it might take time. It might take some deep detours that might not actually be detours, but lessons you need to learn that are going to get you there. So I'd say finding that thing that you love the most. Then, of course, then there's that magic sauce of belief, because when you love it so much, you're like, oh, my God, but I, I just dad, I know that I, I love tumbling and I'm going to be in the Olympics. You start to dream when you love it enough, you start to dream. And so that's what I did when I was a kid with racing is that I wanted to go to college for engineering so I could learn how to work on my car and I'm going to be this and then I'm going to race in the Indy 500 and then I'm going to do that. And so because I loved it, I came up with all kinds of dreams. And so having those really like far out there aspirational dreams, I think is what sort of creates a beacon in your life or in a more gritty way, it kind of drags you through the crap to get you to where you want to go because you're so narrowly focused and you're so oriented with the destination that you can't quite tell that you're getting scraped up along the way, but it's making you stronger and it's teaching you things. I love that. Thank you. That is some profound advice. I'm going to bring up our next member of the audience who's going to be our guest interviewer, Sumaya. This sometimes happens with Zoom. And it causes this awkward silence. I went to Egypt not long ago. And in between the pause of the Sphinx, there was a few girls in the group who were doing something very intuitive. They were doing some channeling. And one of them did an Akashic reading for the location of the Sphinx. And in her download that she got from the Akashic Records was that she said, they're saying that we're getting time all wrong and that she was creating pauses. Akashic records were making her pause. And then she'd say, where your mind goes is so crazy in these pauses, isn't it? And she said that the cake is the pause and the frosting is the words. If you think all you want is words, then try and eat a plate of frosting. I and love that. Most fascinating little like moment to remember that. So your pause is totally fine. It's our human minds that just go crazy with the pausing, but the pausing is fine. It's Amazing. Thank you for that. Thank you for breaking that awkward silence. And Sumaya, welcome. Maya, you get to ask your question to Danica. Go ahead. Hi, Danica. First of all, I'm a big fan and you've broken so many glass ceilings. So it's just so inspiring to see what you do. So my question is, once you have a goal, you seem to have an incredible drive. So how do you maintain constant motivation? And the second part of my question is, what would you recommend we should do to bring out the best versions of ourselves, steps, thoughts. Mm, good. Thank you very much. And those are great questions. I think that, again, falling into this sort of space of like, what is your passion? Doing a little self audit 
I think is probably a step towards figuring that out. So I always tell somebody something simple, like look at what you take pictures of. That's a really good indication of things that are of true interest to you and that you love. I also think that just spending time alone is extremely productive and valuable. Being able to wake up in the morning for days and go, okay, if I could do my own day, what would I do with this day? And then when you're forced to create your own environment and your own hobbies and things to keep you busy, you start to figure out a lot about yourself because you're not just going to sit and go, oh, I just got to clean up and then I'll watch this show. And then eventually that gets pretty boring and you're going to go, Maybe I'll start sewing or maybe I'm going to go hiking. And, you know, all of a sudden you start to go, wow, I really love these other things. And so I think those are interesting avenues into understanding yourself better. But I think that alone time is really good to figuring out those things that you love because I know it's a similar answer, but once you find something that you love to do, you just do it. Like, I'm sure that if you'd spent some time after this and just thought about the things that you truly love to do and that are interests, whether you take photos or whether there's something you do on your free time, they're not hard for you to do. So it's trying to figure out then how do you go from something that's a passion to figuring out how to monetize that or how to repackage that in a way that could become more of your life. And then you'll just do it. You won't have to find the motivation as much. But I think that if we're talking about another step towards motivation, it's creating really lofty goals. A silly analogy would be if you're lifting weights, once you can deadlift 250 pounds, 125 is not that hard. And so if you're going to set your goal for the next solar system, then you're going to land on the moon pretty easily, right? You're going to accomplish great things. So I feel like having like really lofty goals makes the that dragging thing that I was just talking about kind of drags you through those other things that are on the way, which are still great. So yeah. And then I feel like at the end of your life, if you set that goal high enough, Sometimes I've met them and exceeded them. Sometimes I haven't gotten close, but they've always helped me achieve great things in whatever space I go into. Amazing. Thank you, Danica. And thank you, Samaya, for asking your question. Now, before we wrap up, I'm going to ask the next two questions together. They're very related. So the next two questions are from Dianca Renee and from Teresa Benedict. And Dianca, I see your question is very similar to the one I asked about Eve. We both have a seven-year-old daughter, but Dianca asks, Danica, my daughter is seven. We love you. My husband and I are working through what we call intentional parenting. What advice will you share with us to raise a fearless young woman who knows no limits? Mm. Now, let me ask Teresa's question because it's related. Teresa said, how do you inspire young teenagers to pursue their dreams, to take on a man's world? My daughter wants to be the first highest paid female football player. Fantastic. So I'd love to give you advice for both these questions on raising fearless, ambitious young woman taking on a man's work. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that if you're going to raise a fearless child, I mean, sitting on my bookshelf is the book Mindset, which is, I think, a very incredible, great basic information into so many aspects of life because it covers all of them. It covers everything from being a boss to an employee to children. And so one of the things that I found really fascinating in the book is that she was telling a story about how there was someone who was in a household that was so, and this is a pattern that occurs. So this is an example, but if you are rewarded for your accomplishments only, that it can actually create a mindset in you that makes you not want to participate at all, 
for the fear of failing. So you won't even try because your fear of failing is so much higher than your fear of stumbling. And so you just completely don't even try it in the first place. And so I think having a growth mindset mentality and training your kids to orient towards the effort and the progress, what you're doing along the way, instead of just the goal. Like, yes, if they do well at something, they're going to be acknowledged for that, but it shouldn't be unacknowledged the effort put in along the way. Another thing that I just was thinking of, this is for everyone, whether they're kids or adults, but It's the difference between quitting and letting go. I learned this in retiring years ago. We can all think of situations where it flows super easily. One thing leads to the next and doop, 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 doop. You end up buying that house or doop, doop, doop. You end up getting that job or whatever it may be. Or that relationship went really easily. And that is stuff that is obviously meant for you and meant to happen. The problem is, is when we think we know best. And so we get oriented on a destination or how something is going to go or a timeline. We start forcing things. Yes, you can force things straight through and they happen easily. Great. But there are other things that you kind of keep meeting resistance and walls. It's with those things that I feel like there has to be sort of like a trained awareness to the things that you need to learn to let go of. And it doesn't mean that it's not going to come back to you in some way that's better or or different, but, or maybe completely different, but it's that obviously the universe is giving you a sign that this is not the area you should be looking in. And so trying to, even if this is a kid doing something, if something keeps happening, if they keep getting hurt, look, it doesn't mean that you know best either for your kids. So look at what flows really easily. Yeah. Follow the flow. I mean, that's a really simple saying, but it's true being in flow and in sync and seeing the signs, whether they be the signs to keep going or the signs that you're like, "Eh, maybe this isn't for me. That's a beautiful answer. Thank you. And I actually want to bring up Bianca, one of the women who asked the first part of that question, because she named her seven-year-old daughter after you. Her daughter is named Danica. So I thought it'll be fun to bring her up just so she can turn on the mic and she can tell you how you inspired her. Wow. Bianca. Wow. Hi, Bianca. Hi, how are you doing? (laughs) So you named your seven-year-old daughter after Danica? That's so cool. Yes, yes, I did. My name is Bianca, and people usually call me Danica by mistake because they're not reading the name. And so when I was pregnant, I was just like, you know what? I think because I was always inspired by the way that you did the things that you did even back then, I said, Because I want my child to be able to live in a limitless space, I'm going to speak that into her life and name her after someone who I thought exemplified that for me. We basically let her do anything she wants once she's safe. So she's skateboard, she's a DJ, and she's seven. She rollerblades, she bikes, whatever. She speaks German and English and comes from a family where we only speak English. So we love you and She's a rock star. We're looking forward to it. That is so cool. What a great mom you are. And that's just such an honor. I know what it's like to riff on words like, oh, what would I name my kid someday? You know, the honor of being a reason is really very, very flattering. Thank you so much. And congrats on doing such a good job with her. Can't wait to see what she becomes. Danica, could I ask you to say a few words to Bianca's daughter? Because I want to cut this video sure. and give it to Bianca so she can show it to her daughter. Because it'll mean so much to this girl to see the woman she was named after. Give her a greeting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Wow. A little Danica, I would say that 
you are powerful beyond what you can even imagine. And I think that you have obviously a household that's giving you the space to explore those spaces. And I think that that is a very, very big gift because what it is that you're truly meant for comes in exploration and discovery. To have parents and have a household that gives you that is a real gift. And I would say that no matter what happens, though, you're going to do the best work, you're going to have the most influence, and you're going to also have the most joy and happiness when you're doing something that is who you are and is something that you love to do and something that you feel a burning desire for and a passion for. If you don't, then you're going to always be met with challenges along the way and self-doubt and wanting to quit. So always be yourself. It's also whatever it is that is the most unique about you is probably part of your gift. So don't be afraid to show whatever it is about you that is the most different. Thank you so, so very, very, very much. <laughs> thank you, Dianca. Thank you, Vishen. Guys, we're going to wrap up now. Danica, thank you so much. This was an amazing conversation. Really, really fun. Love it. Love it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody, for participating and being on here. Vishen, thanks for asking me. I love all of these open-minded platforms that allow us the space to share and recognize just how much more similar we are instead of different. Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.